So Jess, it's been a little while since we've had one of these conversations and recorded it for people to listen to. And in the South, we say it's been a minute. So. It's been it's been a lot of minutes. <laughs> Many minutes. I want to know are you, I want to know are you nervous? No, no, I don't get nervous. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. You shouldn't be. But except for that, even though everything's about to change, that doesn't make you nervous. Um, you know, uh, change change is something. I will talk about this when I give you guys more of a full update that you have to either embrace or or lose out. I think so. So we're going to talk about some of the reasons why we have taken a very, very long hiatus. But first, I, I want to just follow up. It's not really follow up because it's been so long. But for those of you who are listening, which is I don't even know why I say that because you wouldn't have heard me say that if you weren't listening. So obviously, if you heard it, you're one of the people who are listening where this podcast is going to sort of change. A couple of things about it are going to change. One is the name is about to change. And we're going to sort of shift our focus, except for we're really going to just shift the focus to the stuff we sort of were talking about anyway, in or that we were sort of leaning into having conversations. Originally, this podcast was sort of about remote work and life and technology and stuff. And really what we're going to do is still talk about all those things, but without the constraint of trying to figure out like, how does this fit into remote life or remote work? So we're really going to talk more about kind of like how tech affects real life and just sort of on the practical level and the name that we sort of came up with well we didn't really come up with it I just said hey here's a name why don't we use it and Jess was like that's cool is <laughs> undi- is undigital it's sort of like if you combine the words understanding digital and then technology we we sort of have combined that and it's, we're going to call it undigital the reason I tell you that right now is because starting next week the artwork and everything in the feed will change and I didn't want you to be very surprised when all of a sudden you see this podcast in there with a slightly different name. So this week, obviously it was the same because we didn't want people to be, we wanted people to listen to this and understand what was changing and what was going to be new. Um, it'll be still the same. Jess and I having conversations about stuff that's interesting to us. We'll still do some interviews. In fact, I think we'll probably do them better because in the past the interviews were just, Hey, I would just talk to somebody and drop it in as an episode. And now um, we'll involve Jess in that some more and just have, more uh, kind of intentional conversations around that. So, but I guess as we get started, Jess, a lot has changed other than just the name of the podcast in the last basically year. Yeah. <laughs> Especially for much. you. So, so let's, t- let's start there. You have a lot of follow-up. Sure. Yeah. A lot has changed for me, but um, everything except for my last name, even though I did um, one year ago from Sunday, um, get married so my longtime partner and I got married, um, and then we went to Greece for a week, which was just amazing. And then um, a few months later, we bought a new house. We moved across town, so I'm now in a room with the door shut. You guys probably won't hear cats anymore. Like one of them is really loud, so we don't know what could happen. So I have this great office that's like completely mine. Um, and most listeners probably don't know unless you heard us talk about it, but. Before I used to work in an office that was like right next to the kitchen in the middle of everything shared an office with my husband. So now um, he actually works outside of the house. I'm home alone all day and it is purely glorious. Um, So besides (laughs) that, um, in my new office, uh, my job has changed. The company I work for still exists, but has been acquired by another company. And I am transitioning to a different role as a full editor rather than more of a, a product management role. So that's been kind of exciting for me. And finally, if you have listened long enough, you know that I love cats. And with a new house, um, 
we had room for a new cat, so we have about a five-month-old kitten who joins me pretty much every day and here to hang out. That 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 is definitely a lot. The one thing I want to just pull on for a second that I personally take a lot of satisfaction in, and it's really the only thing of that whole update that I feel like I really can take any satisfaction in <laughs> is that you now have a door yeah. on your office, which was not a thing, which is the thing I talked about. Like you've heard me say that if you've listened to every episode of this podcast, first of all, thank you. But you've heard me say many times that if you work from home, one of the most important things is to have a door that you can shut. And Jess and I, when we record these, we're on Zoom so we can see each other and we can see each other's backgrounds and stuff. And you were being very generous by calling what you had before an office that you shared with Marcus. It was, it was a, a dining space. room. <laughs> it was a desk in a dining room, right? And he was like at the other end of the dining room. And there was multiple ways in and out. Plus, every time it rained, <laughs> you could hear it on the window. You know, there was like... A lot of windows in that room. Yeah. Now I can't imagine how I work in that environment. But, you know, you, you, you deal with what you have. And that's just you know, how, how we work. So now this, like, I feel like I really appreciate this more. But because I had to work in that situation. But what's funny about it is I hardly ever close the door. It's probably because I'm home alone. And so the only thing that can come in and out is the cats. But even in the summer when the kids were home, like, they'd end up coming in here anyway. So I usually just left it open. But. I feel like the thing about having a door is not that it has to always be closed. It's just that you can. And that's like a sign to everyone else. Because if, and actually in your case, it's probably even a better sign. See, our dog is in here with me every day. So the door is always closed because otherwise she'll just like wander off. Right. Um, so the door is always closed. So there's not really a differentiation between, well, the door is closed. Does that mean dad's really working or did he fall asleep and he's taking a nap? <laughs> no one knows. Right. But in your case, if your door is almost always open and then you shut it, like everyone knows like, okay, there must be a reason the door is shut. So why? True. Yeah. They would themselves. probably knock. Um, but what's interesting, even though I don't close it, um, I, I don't hang out in here, you know, in my other quote unquote office, I, that's the table right behind me that I ate dinner at and the kitchen right next to me that I cooked at. Like I work out in here and I work. And other than that, like I love this room, but I don't spend time in here. And I think that makes a huge difference between like separating your work life and your personal life. I, I agree completely. I think it's great to have a space where you like, this is where I work. And then when I leave here, it's not work anymore. And that doesn't mean that you couldn't go work on your back patio if it's nice outside or whatever. Like I do that a lot. Well, it's October, so it's not nice anymore. And But at least I know if I need to go and record a podcast or hunker down and just like crank something out, I know I have a place I can go. I have a door that I can close. That's I think that's a cool thing. So I, I know that we said we weren't going to talk about, you know, remote work, but the truth is like, that's how both of us work. So it's going to be a part of our conversations. And that's kind of the, the, the it, filter. That yeah. We, and it's such a reality for so many people now. It's like the pandemic may be quote unquote over ish, but the reality for work is that most people are embracing a work life hybrid or only work from home now. So it's going to creep into our conversations. We will not apologize. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So, okay. So let's dive into some of the stuff that we kind of wanted to talk about. And I guess to set the stage, um, as I sort of pitched this slightly different idea to Jess a couple of weeks ago, as we were thinking about restarting this, the sort of the idea I had is like, let's talk about technology, but not for nerds. Cause most tech podcasts are people who are, you, you know, it's kind of like nerds talking about technology for other nerds. And when I say nerds, I mean that with all affection because like, let's be honest, I'm a nerd. <laughs> so I don't have anything. And I listen to a lot of tech podcasts, but I feel like if you're someone who kind of is casually interested in technology or you just knew that there was a giant a big pixel event last week but you don't really know like should i care 
if you were, it's kind of overwhelming to have to dive into some of the tech podcasts because they're going to be talking about a lot of stuff that may not matter to you. And as we realized, like it's perfect because Jess is very tech savvy, but very not a nerd. <laughs> so I think you're going to get both perspectives. And I mean that in a good way, like, right. You, you know, Jess is a much more practical user than I am. And I think that that will add benefit for the conversation between the two of us. Does that sound about right? It does. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I'd say I'm, I'm not a nerd. Obviously, you haven't talked to some of my friends, but like, I'm still the person that they go and be like, hey, I got my, the new phone. Can you show me like how to do this? Can you how to do this? And like, I'm, I, I think they're very gracious with how techie that they think I am. They're like, oh, she was a founding member of a startup. She knows everything about tech. And like, honestly, I just like know how intuitive the platforms are and can figure out how to tell them how to do basic things. So like I'm above the curve, but I'm nowhere near the level of Jason as far as like tech savviness and nerdiness. Well, that's why I said you're tech savvy, but you're not a nerd, right? right. There, there's a difference. I think you are very tech savvy and you very much understand technology, which is great, but it's more of a, a, a thing that you're interested in and that like serves your life. It's not a thing that you just, you don't probably spend quite as much time immersed in it as a nerd. What I think is cool is you've turned it really into a career. And like, I feel like I used to be way more tech savvy, but as I've gotten older and had more responsibilities, I'm finding it harder and harder to keep up. And now my teenagers are teaching me things that I didn't know. And so I'm like, oh, how do you quit keep, I keep falling behind. And so this is something that's <laughs> actually helpful for me too. <laughs> Yes, I think it's going to be fun. So um, as I was looking back, one of the things that was very interesting is it's been almost exactly two years and one month. It was September 10th that we published the very first episode of this podcast, September 10th, 2020. Um, and the thing that we talked about the most at the time was they had, Apple had just uh, or was just getting ready to launch a new Apple Watch, which they then did a few weeks later. I think it was the Series 6 at that point that they were getting ready to launch. They've now launched, we're now on Series 8, plus they launched an Apple Watch Ultra. There are new iPhones. This is a very busy time of year for tech. And it's actually, so it's great for us to kind of reboot this conversation now because I think that the question that a lot of people ask is, okay, I know this because I get a lot of these questions from people. I get Facebook messages, I get text messages, I get emails hey, I'm using an iPhone 7, should I finally upgrade? And my answer is always yes. <laughs> but depending on the person's situation, I think it, it can be kind of overwhelming. And so I think it'd be fun to sort of talk through first, like what are you currently using? And I think we'll focus today kind of on iPhones and the watches because those are the, the things that were released last month. Um, but I, I, just based on what you had texted me before, I think even what you're using is different than the last time that we were talking. And so let's talk about that. I'll talk about what I have and we can just kind of go through some of that kind of stuff. So you're using, you're not, you don't have an iPhone. Okay. Let me back up in September. Apple launched the iPhone 14 series, yes. right? The iPhone 14, iPhone 14 plus iPhone 14 pro and iPhone 14 pro max, lots of words. Um, and then they also introduce the Apple watch series eight and the Apple watch ultra. You are not using an iPhone 14, is that correct? I do, I'm not. We actually, just a few months ago, um, I switched to the Mini 13, and I had a Mini 12 before. I really embraced the Minis. I like them because, you know, as a woman who is small, I have small pockets, and I don't like to carry a giant purse. I can fit that in my pocket. I'm running around at a cross-country meet. It's fine, and it fits in a tiny purse. I don't need a giant screen. I'm on a computer all day. like, And so I'm so sad to hear that it's I'm pretty sure that like 
um, I think what you wrote in one of your articles was it's bigger and better from now on out. Like they're getting a. It's definitely bigger phones. Apple did there. There was no iPhone 14 Mini. So mm-hmm. if you are a fan of the Mini, you should go buy an iPhone 13 Mini because you still can. They still have them available. You should buy one. That's the last Mini phone that the rumor is that they're going to make. Who knows? Maybe in three years they'll introduce the iPhone 17 mini i don't know like whatever but for now that's true so were you you like the mini phones they didn't introduce a mini phone did, were you even paying attention to when they launched the iphones last like did you even care were yeah, you interested? I mean, like who i should see yeah i paid attention i i'm most i'm not gonna lie my daughter texted me and she was like when you upgrade next you better get the you should get the purple one because she just knows i love purple but she's really into that like she looks at all the different features and stuff um but it wasn't really on my radar as much because I had just upgraded and I know I won't for probably another year. All that being said, like I, I'd like to keep in mind like what I will want to get next before a new one comes out. Okay, so I'm the kind of person who gets a new iPhone basically every year. That's been true for a while now. But I feel like when you upgraded to the iPhone 12, you had not been someone who had been upgrading every year. Is that right? Every, do, how, yeah. what, do you remember what you had before that? An 11 <laughs> before the 12. Oh, yeah, okay. so you pretty did. much. So yeah, you we have, have the, the plan where you can upgrade like every 12 or 18 months. I forget. It's basically when I'm like, this phone isn't working the same way I want it to. Or I know that there's a phone that has better features I want. And then I'm like, am I eligible for an upgrade? <laughs> and then I'll do it. But. Got it. So the thing that surprises me, because so we're both the type of people who upgrade our phones fairly regularly. My wife is still using an, my old iPhone 11 Pro, and she wants nothing to do with upgrading because the iPhone 11 Pro, if people remember, is smaller than mm-hmm. the iPhone 12, 13, and 14 regular or Pro. It's 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 bigger than the Mini, but it is a smaller form factor, and she loves it. And she doesn't. She's like, I don't want anything bigger. I'm gonna just keep my iPhone 11 Pro, and it's still like does a relatively good it's first of all it's fast enough and like there's nothing wrong with it at all it can handle any everything the main difference between like an iphone 11 pro and an iphone 14 pro is at this point the cameras and we can talk about that in a few minutes but she doesn't care about but okay the there's a dynamic island or any of that like that stuff doesn't matter to her so she doesn't really care but i think most people are probably more like her right the number of people i i hear from that will say i have an iphone 8 (laughs) I have an iPhone seven plus or whatever. (laughs) Should I, you know, I'm, I'm thinking it's time to upgrade and I'm thinking it's like seven years. Yes. It's probably time, time to upgrade. But I imagine if you've been holding onto a phone for that long, if someone has like, it can be kind of overwhelming to try to figure out what should I do. And actually the one article I wrote was like, don't buy the iPhone 14. That, that phone is probably not a good deal for anyone right and in fact if what you really want is the iphone 14 because it's like the basic iphone honestly save yourself some money and just go buy an iphone 13 at this point because there's almost no difference between them the processor inside is basically the same camera system's a little bit better but basically the same right and you can get one you save yourself like a 100 bucks just go buy the iphone 13 but beyond that like i'm curious like for you like, what are the things that would have, obviously you wanted the smaller size in the iPhone 13 mini, so you're sticking with it for now, but what are the things that would make you want to upgrade your iPhone? Um, anything, the way I think about it is anything, what can I get from getting a new iPhone that I don't get from the new software update? You know, because I can already do lock screen widgets and I set them all up and played with them and like I, dynamic Island is cool, but like, I'm not going to spend a thousand dollars or $800, whatever it costs to get the new one. So 
Um, I actually get more excited about the software updates than I do the new iPhones because the only thing I can think of that I would add to my phone that I don't have right now um, that I feel like I'm missing out on is better battery life. And it's really not that bad. Like I charge it like at night and maybe while I'm in the shower and that's about it. So you're using an iPhone 13 mini. And if you don't mm -hmm. feel like your battery life is bad, you are like super lucky because I, I do think that for the iPhone 13, the mini phones, battery life is by far the biggest concern because they're just smaller. I heard right? that. That was my concern. Yeah. That it wasn't going to be as good, but I really, I've had very minimal issues and I have a lot of location services and on, on and stuff. So it did make me wonder the validity of that claim. So do you, do you find that that's true? Also, if you were traveling and you go somewhere, do you feel like you, you're, if you had a cross country meet all day, because cross country meets like invitationals can take a long time. Let me tell you, we both have cross country yeah. runners. Like, do you still feel like if you're taking lots of pictures or videos and doing all that stuff that it still lasts? Well, that being said, I asked my husband to take all the pictures because, because I'm the one that's running around. I never can remember to take a picture. I'm screaming I'm running like my phone's in my pocket or I'll actually most often, um, it's a mini. I'll throw it in my husband's pocket so I can run around freely. All right. <laughs> so, um, but as far as traveling goes, I mean, I will plug it in in the car if I'm traveling far. I don't have a commute, so like I don't, I'm not in the car for long trips a ton. But from what I can tell, like it's really, it's not bad at all. Yeah. So, like I rarely have to charge it during the day. Like I don't, I feel like my kids' phones, which are bigger, like go way, their battery goes down way faster, but they also have like constant location services on and like never put down their phones ever. Yeah. Our daughters, <laughs> so. our daughters both have the iphone se's um like so the the, okay, lo the one inexpensive ones they still have the touch id button they're basically the same form factor as like the iphone 8 was or whatever but the problem with those is especially for them they their batteries like i was i took our i took our oldest daughter to a soccer tournament in washington dc last weekend and she'd get up in the morning which is another story but we would go to breakfast we would get to the soccer field like she had an eight o'clock game the first day and a nine o'clock game the second day and by the time she got done with her her game the battery is at like 13 percent. i'm like what have you been doing hmm. you've only been up for like five, four or five hours how is it possible that you but they just don't have a very big battery in them right they just right that's just the way that it is and so i think that for most people the biggest benefit or the biggest features that matter to them in terms of upgrading are battery life so like if you feel like you're getting plenty of battery life then probably there isn't much of a reason for you to up not you personally jess i'm just saying generally to someone who's listening yeah, the but listener the, yes <laughs> but the battery life is a big deal and the bigger phones the bigger the phone obviously the more battery they can cram into it so uh, there were a lot of reviews of the iPhone 14 Plus that basically said, like, it's the best battery life you can get in an iPhone right at this point because it's a big phone and it's got a lot of battery in it. And it'll last you a long time. I have the iPhone 14 Pro. Um, it, it The battery life is is fine. Uh, I use like I I didn't get a phone to just get to the end of the day with 80 percent battery. I use my phone all day long and especially when I'm traveling. But I think that battery life is probably the biggest thing. And then the cameras is probably a close second for a lot of people that would make them want to consider upgrading. Although I think that what is interesting is most people probably don't feel the pain of what their camera currently is capable of until they try a new one. Right? Like yeah, you, you don't probably. know what you don't know. Mm. And also, like, the cameras have gotten so complex. Like, I'm using it to take pictures of my kids, you know, you know, playing volleyball or doing whatever. Like, 
I don't, I'm not a professional photographer. I'm not trying to make my phone do that. And then I end up asking myself the question, are professional photographers trying to do that? Because I think they have their big fancy cameras. And I don't, sometimes I don't understand why we're going so insane with the cameras on the phone. Yeah. Because okay. half the features on it, I don't know how to use. True. And I want to talk about the cameras in just one second, but I will say this first. So I think that Apple's philosophy, and this is probably right, and I was a professional photographer, but I still think this is probably true, even though it does drive me nuts, that they have sort of built the camera to provide the generically best photo every time. Like they want you to just point the phone at it and take a picture and get a good result. Okay. So they're going to do a lot of work, <laughs> right? And, and most of the time it, it, it does a good job. It does that. It creates a good, pleasing photo of whatever it is you're trying to do. Obviously there are limitations, low light performance, especially for older phones is the biggest one. If you're in a dark place or you're outdoors or whatever, they don't, they just don't perform well. The newer ones obviously perform better, but I think the goal has always been someone who's using this should just be able to point their phone at it, tap the button and get a good result. Right. And I think yeah. they do a good job of that. Yeah. That's a good UX, you know, but it also just seems to have like, when you open the camera, there are so many modes you can slide through and I'm like, how do I know which one to pick? The only thing I found super useful, and this is a, more of a software feature is that you can you know, long press to copy either people or animals and then paste it into whatever you want. But that's just kind of fun. Like I'm not a photographer, but it's, I do it with my cat. Yes. And that's an <laughs> iOS 16 feature yeah. that it allows you to, it's like the select, you can select a subject and then you can copy and paste it into something else and it will have removed the background. Very, very fun for sure. So and I was going to say as a professional photographer, the thing I do appreciate is that as Apple has added advanced, advanced hardware and features into the cameras, they're making it more accessible for people who do want to, to use those, right? So they, they a couple of years ago, they introduced Pro Raw, so you can actually get a raw photo and you can use that and do your own editing. And this year in the Pro models, they added a 48 megapixel sensor and you can shoot raw at 48 megapixels. And I'll put a picture of this in the show notes, um, but I had a photo that I took when I was in Denmark um, and it was at night and it's a photo that you really could not have gotten if you weren't going to shoot in raw. Um, but it was, it was, I'm going to, I'll text it to you here, but it was like very, very cool. But it was something that if you hadn't shot raw, you just wouldn't have been able to get this photo. And so, um, I think that, that that's the kind of thing that they're trying to do is make it so that people who want to have that control, they can access it. But the people who just don't care, they can just point their camera at something and take a, take a photo and just be good. Right. So I, the other big thing that Apple introduced in the pro models is the always on display, which is why I said that the iPhone 14 pros battery life is like fine because now the display is on all the time and I haven't quite decided if I like it or not. It feels so odd that just the, the concept of your screen always being on and I get why for the widget lock screen. So the, I have a, um, charging stand on my desk where the phone like sits kind of up facing me. And that's really the only time I find having an always on display useful because I can see the time and I can see if anything comes in on it. But the rest of the time, if it's just sitting on the table, it's, it's kind of strange to have it on all the time. I have not gotten used to it and I just don't see how it could possibly not affect the battery life. Oh, it must because I mean, it's using energy right. to right. power the display. 
I mean, maybe yeah. not a lot, but yes, it's it's definitely using some amount of battery. So, so I feel like for most people, the most people are upgrading their phones like every three to five years. Obviously, we upgrade our phones. Oh, really? You and I, I think that that's true. The number of people who are still using like iPhone 11 and older, I think, is would surprise you. I think my my husband would probably be that way if I wasn't upgrading my stuff. So like he upgrades his stuff when I do, or like. Cause I'm more into tech. I'll hand my stuff down to him. Like he's wearing my Apple watch series three, which is like basically obsolete. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to talk about that in just a minute, <laughs> but it was mine. And I, I wear, you know, I'm on the seven, but we haven't, we haven't shifted to the, to the yeah. watch yet. I, I think though that most people, it would surprise you the number of people who are using much older devices because I mean, 800, $900,000 for an iPhone is a lot, even if you're paying for it like monthly with a plan or whatever. So I, I guess I get it. It has to be worth it. I would say that if you're someone who wants better battery life, wants better cameras, and you're using anything older than a 12, you will see enormous improvements with any of the iPhone 14 models. If you really care about having the best camera, get the iPhone 14 plus. If you really want the best battery life, I'm sorry, iPhone 14 pro, if you really want the best battery life, get the iPhone 14 plus. If you just want the best affordable, good new iPhone, buy the iPhone 13, like seriously, yeah. don't buy the iPhone 14. And if you want the smallest one, buy the iPhone 13 mini, right? Right, Cause it's still available. Side, so Sidebar here. So remember when they first came out with the terminology plus, I think it was the six plus. Have they used this in between until now? They, so they used it with the six, seven and the eight. Right. There okay. was the normal. And gotcha. the I remember the six side. plus was a big deal, um, but I didn't know. Like I hadn't heard the plus in a while. And it's like all of a sudden now they're bringing it back. Yeah. And it is weird. Like, so if you buy the biggest pro phone, it's the pro max. If you buy the biggest regular phone, it's just the plus. And I feel like the reason that they did that is that like max it, Apple and naming things is, is kind of weird. Their naming right? conventions are, are, are pretty confusing. It can be kind of confusing if you try to discern like a system from, but I, my guess is that they wanted to differentiate so that if something is the max, it's like the most iPhone you can get, right? It has everything. But if, so they didn't want to call the iPhone 14 bigger version, the iPhone 14 max, because it's not the most iPhone you can get, right? It only has two cameras. It doesn't have three. It doesn't have ProMotion display. Like there's just a lot of things it doesn't have. So I feel like they had to come up with a different word and plus is a word that they had used in the past for the iPhone for, and it just meant bigger iPhone. And so I feel like that, you know, must be the reason that they did that. The only difference between the iPhone 14 and iPhone 14 plus is it's just a bigger display. So that, I feel like that's probably why they chose it, but yes, it does get confusing. I wonder like with the iPhone 14 pro max, why they didn't just call it the iPhone 14 max. Like, why does it have to be the Pro Max? Because I think people would understand. But again, the iPhone 14 Pro and Pro Max have all the same features, again, except for the display size. So I don't know. It's confusing. So I used to have the Plus. I think I had the 6 Plus when it was new. And it was exactly half the size of my iPad mini. And I've just never wanted to go back to a phone that big. Yeah, I, I have a, a, a Google Pixel six pro which is basically the same roughly it's almost exactly the same size as the bigger iphones and i just don't like it I, and but you, there's no choice to get that phone smaller and i only have it for the purpose of having an android phone 
I don't want an iPhone that big. It's just too big. Agree. It's just too big. So, okay. So you mentioned casually that you're now on an iPhone, on a Apple Watch Series Seven, and the reason I wanted to go back to this, not just because there are new Apple Watches, but people who have been listening to this podcast for a while will remember that when we started recording, you were using an Apple Watch Series Three, and then you had a habit. Is it fair to say of breaking your Apple watches and you bought a used Apple watch series three when the six came out and you resisted for a long time. What <laughs> was it that finally made you like pushed you over the edge to get a series seven and how do you like it? Well, I do like it a lot. Um, except that I don't think the battery life is great. And I don't know if that's an individual issue with my watch or the way that I use it that drains the battery life a bit. Um, but other than that, I really like everything about it. Um, I love, the watch complications. I love um, integrations. I use it a lot with Peloton, um, which probably drains the battery some because it will like actually connect to Peloton and show my heart rate on the screen rather than having of the Peloton rather than having to go back and look um, at my watch during my ride. Um, and I like the size. Like that's one reason why I wouldn't go to an ultra. Like my wrist is really small. So and I have the I think I have the thirty eight millimeter and it probably forty one. If it's yeah, a Series 7, it it's probably 41 by now. Yeah, I'm trying to look at it. That's probably why it's bigger, yeah. But I'm I'm really pleased with it, except that I have to charge it during the day a little bit. What I usually do is, because I sleep with it on because I use one of the sleep trackers, um, and then I'll charge it in the morning, and I charge it on my desk, rather, um, on my computer, rather than a Qi charger, because it takes longer on the Qi charger, and um, usually that will last me all day, and I charge it a little before bed. But I would love to just wear it for a couple of days and not worry about it, which is something that seems kind of appealing about the Ultra. Yeah, and I, okay, so hearing you say that, that's pretty typical, I think, of someone who's using a Series 6, 7, 8 for, um, and wearing it to sleep in. So I have a Series 7. I have a Series 8 that's a review unit, and um, I haven't even set it up. <laughs> And the reason I didn't set it up is there's almost nothing different about it. And the one that, and often when Apple sends out uh, review units of the Apple watch, I'm probably never going to need another one now saying this, but they're always the aluminum. And I just don't like the aluminum Apple watches as much as the stainless steel. And so I just don't really want to wear it. <laughs> um, Interesting. So I haven't been, haven't been wearing it. But the other problem was I also have the Apple Watch Ultra to review, which is a way more interesting Apple mm -hmm. Watch than the Series 8. So we'll get to that in a second. But I do think for someone who wants to wear their Series 7 all the time, charging it for a little bit in the morning, charging it for a little bit at night, that's pretty typical. If you think about using, especially for sleep tracking, um, I, when you had said you didn't think you were getting any better battery life, I was curious. But what you're describing, I think, is is normal for someone who's using it that way. I think most people, if you weren't wearing it for sleep tracking, would just take it off the charger, take it off the charger first thing in the morning, wear it all day, put it back on right. the charger at night and they'd be fine. They'd never run out of battery. So yeah, absolutely. But one another thing I noticed though, is one day I was taking it off and I dropped it from standing height into our hardwood floors. And I was like, I was like, uh, and I like it landed face down. I was like, no, and I feel like my series three would that would have at least chipped it and was not even a scratch. Um, and that is something that's supposed to be um, you know, it's highly touted about the about the seven is like a super unbreakable screen. So hopefully this one will last me a long time. Yeah, that would be good. So you have the aluminum. Is that right? You yes. have an, OK, one thing to just for people who are listening, if you are thinking like about the Apple Watch, the aluminum and the stainless steel slash titanium 
series have different glass. They call them crystals on a watch. The aluminum have what they call ion X, which are harder, but are more susceptible to scratches. Whereas Mm the um, stainless steel and the titanium are sapphire, which are more scratch resistant, but are slightly more likely to, to break. They're still very, 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 very durable. Sapphire is what, you know, $6,000, $10,000 mechanical watches use. And, and so Apple's using the same material. So you should find that it doesn't crack as easily as your older watch. Right. It might still potentially, you know, occasionally scratch. Like I have a series four that was aluminum that does have some scuffs on it. Yeah. Um, but the, the newer ones, yes, I think that that's pretty typical. Hopefully, just don't be banging it into things. Or didn't you break one on like a boat or something? Yeah, I was, I don't, yeah, I was sailing with it. But like, I'm, you know, I'm long limbed and I'm clumsy and I'll just walk through a doorway and bang my wrist on it, you know? And so like, <laughs> I that happens every once in a while. And so far, like, I haven't seen anything bad happen to it. And I just refuse to wear a cover, like a, um, a protective screen or cover on here because it's just too ugly for such a pretty device. And like, Steve Jobs didn't want us covering up our phones and watches anyway. So yeah, definitely not your watch. <laughs> the watch is just it gets too big if you're if you start to put stuff on it. So I will say, okay, so let's for a second talk about the Apple Watch Ultra. And honestly, it, it is a big watch, but it is probably it's definitely more designed for someone like you than someone like me because you do like you Peloton, you do that kind of stuff. You don't. I mean, Peloton is different because you're you're not you're not worried about taking advantage of like the satellite features because you're just at your house. Right? But you're I not... am getting. I did buy a road bike, and I'm okay, getting. Okay, so there you go. So yeah, that is something I, I've got my eye on. But what I will say about the Apple Watch Ultra, because I am not like an adventure person as much as I'd like to think that I am. Um, I'm not. I don't even think I am. I joked that this watch will be perfect for um, keeping track of uh soccer game times and timing my daughter's cross country meet so basically i'm gonna wear this while while other people work out right this is like the perfect (laughs) perfect watch for me to wear while other people are working out but i wore this i went to last week i went to denmark i left on monday night i came home on thursday and i did not charge this watch until i got back on the plane to come home like for three days I did wow, not that's wild. Yeah. I like that. Now, I did not use, wear it to sleep on Tuesday night or Wednesday night because I wanted to extend the battery as long as I could. Um, but I got on the plane and it was still like 16% battery left after that's like pretty three good. days. Yeah. It, and I was, and I actually was doing a lot of workouts because I had to do a lot of walking. So every time I walked from one place to another, I started a workout. So it was tracking heart rate. It was doing all those different mm-hmm. things, tra- using GPS. But like, you just can't make the watch on this run down it is just that it is just that good you could easily wear this for two or three days without it without it dying so the trade-off is it's a it's a it's a big watch although i have seen it on people's wrists with much smaller wrists than mine and it honestly didn't look like comical really see i'd have to see it on mine because you can see how like big this one is on me and like that one's a lot bigger so how wait how many millimeters is it this one's 49, but the thing is 49, but here's the thing on a, on a rectangular shaped watch that's from corner to corner. Whereas on a round watch, that's the diameter of it. So it it's deceiving because mm. it's taller than it is wide, right? So it okay. doesn't necessarily, as long as it doesn't hang over the ends of someone's wrist, like it doesn't look goofy on, on yeah. people. I'm going to go to Best Buy and try one on. How much are you, they? So there's seven ninety nine, 
they're titanium. They're all, there's, only one, there's only one choice. <laughs> it, it is, but the stainless steel is $749. So it's honestly not that much more True. than so they don't make an stainless. aluminum. Nope. It's just titanium because it's basically indestructible. Like this watch is basically indestructible. I mean, yeah. I'm not I'm not making a promise to anyone, but it's basically. And one of the things I like the best is that's got this uh, orange button on the side that you can just push that and it'll instantly start your workout for you. Like you I, to... I was reading about your article about that. I'm like, that would be yeah. cool. But it says it doesn't interface with third party apps yet. But it no. will because I would have to have it work with the Peloton app or Strava if I'm outside or something. But I, w- I would use that for sure. So Apple has has uh, said that workout in diving apps will be able to access the action button through an API. Um, it's just those those apps have to do whatever work they have to do to make that happen. Yeah, to but make that connection work. But you won't be able to just use it to like turn off the lights in your room. Like, you, well, actually, right. that's not entirely true because you can link it to a shortcut. Yeah, we like a widget sh- type. Or, yeah. We won't even get into shortcuts today. But so you could do some work and make it do other things. But anyway, so. But I, the Apple Watch is interesting because you went from a Series 3 to a Series 7. So you had had mm-hmm. a 3 for a long time. And you, right, yeah. And so the Series 7 is a huge jump for you. Yeah. Now, see, I'm thinking about that button again, okay? That's really cool. But, like, when I get on the Peloton, I start pedaling. I get a push notification that says, you've started a workout. Do you want to connect it to your screen? All I do is tap my screen, and then it does it automatically. So if apps are doing things like that, how useful is the button or is that just kind of an outlier case? Well, imagine you were going to go for a run and you wanted to time exactly your run. You don't want to like wait for the watch to decide, oh, you must be doing a workout. So if you're standing at the starting line and the gun goes off and you can just tap that button and take off and just know that the watch started both tracking your um, location or your route, starting the clock, and then also starts tracking your heart rate rate, instantly. And it does it without, because you're right. There are times when you go for, I'll be walking the dog and it'll be like, it looks like you're doing a workout. Well, it does that because it's using whatever sensors it's using, probably your heart rate. And it's like, your heart rate seems to be elevated and you're moving. Are you doing a workout? Right. And, but it, but it did it, did it, how far had you walked before it figured that out? Is right. That, yeah. That is will, that going to be yeah. included? Whereas on, if you really wanted to track and again, on your Peloton, the Peloton's tracking your distance. You don't right. need it, to watch. It's all to connected with Apple fitness and like right. they sync together, but. Yeah, I, if I was on my outside bike, I'd have to go into the app and open it up and get it started. So I could see how that would be helpful. And it might even it might be like, oh, it looks like you're doing a bike ride or something like that. I mean, who knows the watch? But it but it wouldn't be as precise as okay, I'm ready to go, boom, and I just hit it. And I could right, it's got to wait for your heart rate to like detect yeah. like you're doing some kind of activity. And sometimes it takes me a little while. Like I was up for my resting heart rate has gotten so low. I was up for like two hours the other day and my watch popped up. It's like, looks like you're awake, ready to start your day. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. And I was just like, yes, sure. Two hours yep. ago. That, yes, exactly. So, so I think for a lot of people, like the series eight is not much of a difference from the series seven. So it's, it's weird this year to say, like, if you're looking at just upgrading to the base, like go back to the series seven, probably my parents both got Apple watches. I think series sevens, a couple months ago and at first i'm like you know they're about to introduce new ones but it turns out eh, like you might have saved a little bit of money if you waited getting an older model but there's not that much of a difference the temperature tracking is the biggest difference and then there's like some emergency calling oh the crash detection that's what it is the what does temperature tracking do like it take i mean it takes your temperature like so is this kind of like an illness predictor type thing like yeah so they're very clear th- they're very clear that it does not tell you what your body temperature is 
So then what it does is it takes readings over a period of time sort of to establish a baseline. And it also has two sensors, one that measures the temperature in the back of your wrist and one that measures the ambient temperature. For example, it would be very confusing to your temperature sensor if like you slept with your hand underneath your pillow because it'd be a lot warmer, right? So it takes those things into consideration. And basically what it does is it, it establishes a baseline. And the only feature that they talked about that Apple has talked about is ovulation tracking, that it can retroactively tell you based on your temperature when someone ovulated. Obviously, like that's not super useful right. for me because great. Yeah, because we need to give more reasons for our uh, for our cycles to be. tracked. <laughs> <laughs> but I think like for some people, though, like for family planning and stuff, that kind of thing could be very helpful to be able to, to look back and to do that. So the point is that I guess they it's apparently pretty accurate for that. I imagine that in the future, so they started with the thing that they knew that they could do. I think in the future, it wouldn't super surprise me if they're like, Oh, your, your temperature, temperature has deviated X degrees over X amount of time. So like maybe that's an indication of something else, right? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things your temperature can tell you. I use that with heart rate a lot because I, my resting heart rate is, um, a lot different when I'm sleeping versus when I'm working out. Like I can tell different things that are going on in my body and if I need more recovery and such. And that would be a cool factor to to put in temperature in with that too because we don't think about how much temperature, because you only take your temperature when you feel sick or the doctor's office makes you. Uh, but that's yeah. interesting with the fertility planning too. Like it's wild to think about like when I was still having kids, like if we had had these types of things, like we thought it was wild to be able to see your kid on a monitor. <laughs> right, <know>? right. <laughs> well, and I, you know, I think for, um, I, I think that they will continue to develop like the features and, and those types of things over, over time. I just think that they, um, yeah, I think they don't want to make promises and have somebody depend on those promises. And then it turns out like, oh, you're, because the wrist is a very difficult place to take temperature. It's not. It's not one of the, you know, like you never ever go into the doctor's office and be like, hey, show me your wrist so I can take your temperature. Like, that's not yeah. a thing. Well, that's not how they take an ECG either. <laughs> but here we are. <laughs> and it's kind of the same thing. You say it cannot detect atri- uh, a heart attack. It, it will say, like, it does not detect atrial fibrillation. But it always tells you, if you don't feel good, call 911. We can't detect a heart attack. Right. Well, and that's because a heart attack isn't always indicated on an, on an ECG. It's like they have to do enzymes and stuff like that. But I do think that they're definitely trying to um, dive right into the as many different health features. Apple does say that it will not tell you your actual temperature. It just tells you like the DV it, and it doesn't even tell you the deviation. It just uses that information. Like there's nowhere you can go in and be like, oh, for these three days, your temperature was basically, you know, 98.7. And on this day, it was 99.0. It doesn't it doesn't tell you that. And part of the reason it doesn't is. I don't even know if it can, if it's able to detect absolute temperature or if it can just establish a baseline and detect a change in either direction. So, because everyone's core temperature is slightly different, right? Like the, we, we say, well, your temperature should be what? 98.6, but not everyone's is exactly 98.6. Yeah, I run a little low. Like if I'm yeah. in 90, if I'm in 98, I'm like, that's a little high for me. So. Yeah. So what really matters is the difference. So. Interesting. Very cool. All right. So I, do you have anything else on the watch or on the phones? Okay, so if uh, my question would be like, if you were me and you had a thirteen mini, would you just stay with what you have, even if I like if I was eligible for an upgrade? 
would you tell me to, to wait? If you, well, if you like the small size, then yes, you don't have a choice. <laughs> Keep it. But if I wanted a better battery, then probably if I was concerned with battery, then go with the. If you were concerned with your battery life, then I would say that you will notice a pretty significant improvement in battery life moving to probably the iPhone 14 or iPhone 14 plus. But honestly, you yeah. also see an improvement in battery life just buying an iPhone 13 from an iPhone 13 mini. Right, just because of the bigger size. <laughs> bigger size and stuff. So, but probably the, you know, I think as I've, I did say that like no one should buy the iPhone 14, you should just buy the iPhone 13. There is a caveat to that, which is the iPhone 14 is a year newer. It does have a very slightly better processor. It does have, a little bit better battery life than the iPhone 13. So for some people, the hundred dollars is probably worth, if you're only upgrading every four or five years, just buy the most recent one, right? Just buy the iPhone 14, just do that. And then you don't have to worry about it for five years. If you upgrade more often than that, you might want to save yourself a little bit of money to get basically the same phone if you're going to upgrade in two years anyway. So that would be my recommendation for people. So, okay. So I want to talk about some other things that are not tech related at all. This is the section we call off topic, which is not a name, but that's just what it is. So the question really is what is one of your favorite other things going on right now that has nothing to do with technology? So my, my, I put a picture in our show notes here and it is of a Kit Kat, a chunky Kit Kat that is salted caramel popcorn flavored. And first of all, it was, it was incredible. But, but the bigger point for me was I was walking through this little tiny grocery store when I was in Denmark and realized that the companies that make things like they're holding out on us in the U S there are so many things that companies are making and that they just don't sell here in the U S that they only sell overseas. And I find that to be very, like, you can't buy this chunky salted caramel popcorn Kit Kat in the US, at least to my knowledge. Because here's one thing that's interesting. Uh, Kit Kat is made by Nestle, except for in the US, it's made by Hershey's, which is weird. Yeah. So Nestle makes the Kit Kats that are chunky, salted caramel popcorn flavored. Hershey's just makes like all the other ones that we get here in the US. And so you had mentioned that you, when you've traveled overseas, you've seen some of the different stuff. But I, I just wanted to be on the record that like, I don't understand why these companies are making all these interesting products, but that they don't sell them to us here in the United States. Probably to gov probably our government. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> probably our government. So like here's I'll I'll send I'm gonna send you two pictures real quick of things that two two other examples. These are Pringles that I saw in the same grocery store. One of them is uh Italian style pepperoni pizza, which sounds delicious. For Pringles. They have a pizza flavor here. It's like, are they just trying to like make it sound cooler? <laughs> you know? But but this this other one is New York style cheeseburger flavor. I mean it says New York mm -hmm. right in the in the in the, the yeah, title. Yeah, that's wild. Why don't they say paprika? Sell... I see Why don't there's they... paprika yeah. here. I do remember Pringles being one. Fun fact, so you know, my last name is Pingree. Some of my friends call me Pringles as a nickname. So and a plus I really like them. But here we go. <laughs> New York cheeseburger. Yeah, it's just wild to me that these paprika. Companies... I would, I would try that. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I didn't buy all these because I was just there by myself and I didn't feel like dying of Pringles. But I, I just, I did buy the Kit Kat and I ate it and it was delicious. Um, but there was all. I should have taken a picture of like they had one of those things where you could scoop the candy out and put it in a bag or whatever. 
um, which I stood there for a while and I'm like, oh, I'm going to try one of the two of these, like one or, but they didn't have a scoop. And so I'm like very confused. I'm like, how does this work? So I waited for someone else to come and mm-hmm. to do it first because I'm like, well, they'll know what to do and then I'll just do whatever they do. And so there was this little dispenser of like gloves. So you basically just put uh-huh. a plastic glove on your hand and stick your hand in the thing and then just drop them in the bag. And then I go up to the counter with, and it's just by weight. So whatever. But apparently you have to weigh it yourself and then you have to get a sticker. And I didn't, I didn't see the woman do that. And so I walk up to the counter to check out and the guy's like just trying to scan the bag and it's like, there's nothing to scan. He goes, Oh, you have to weigh it. (laughs) Thankfully, many countries, especially Denmark, almost everyone who has to interact with the public speaks English. So he was able to tell me to go weigh it. So I go back and I weigh it and I'm like, um, it says, you know, 0.01 kilos or whatever. I don't even remember what it said. So I take it back. He goes, no, no, you have to get the label. And so I'm looking (laughs) at this, I'm looking at this device. That's none of the words on it are English at all. Right. The people speak English. The devices don't speak Mm -hmm. English. So I'm trying to figure out like which one of these buttons, if I push it, will print out a label based on the weight of this thing. So I start to push a button and one of them starts to beep at me. And so now I have this <laughs> bag of candy sitting. I was ready to just leave, but I did finally figure it out, printed out the label. Um, none of the candy was that good. It was not worth all of that <clears throat> hassle, no, but, 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 but the Kit Kat was very good. So that was my thing that I thought I'd throw out. Plus just the, I don't understand why all of the good candy is, is other places. So. Well, if you ever find a coconut M&M's, Please bring them back and mail them to me because I feel like they'd be amazing and they have, I can't find if they've ever existed. I don't like coconut anything. So if I well, do then, find them, yeah. I'm not going to try them. Well, if you, you either like coconut a lot or you just don't at all. It's kind of, it's just one of those things. It's like pickles. You're like, plus I the don't only, like pickles. Plus, well, I don't like pickles and M&Ms. That's for sure. But the only M&Ms that I think are legit are the plain the peanut and the peanut butter that's it i don't like brownie the pretzel ones are fine but they're not really m&ms if you ask me like the there's like you can get like dark chocolate strawberry m M&M, like all that stuff it's just total garbage have you tried caramel those are fine but they're basically just rollos with a heart yes shell. they're like a combination of a rollo and m&m they're amazing yeah but they're um, not those are those are me the, and my daughter's favorites my my husband loves the peanut butter ones um and we we have some of the sugar cookie ones right now but I'm telling you about there's like forty dollars in our grocery bin, like our pickup order. Not forty dollars, say twenty dollars. Probably every couple of weeks of him buying the family size M and M's, and they're always there. So yeah, the caramel ones are fine, but again, the, to me, they're not really M and M's. I'm very and and you're I a traditionalist. Know, I am, but <laughs> the peanut butter ones, by by the way, are like perfection if you put them in the freezer. They're just mm. amazing. So I haven't tried that. I'll put them in ice cream sometimes, but I don't like. How they get like super hard and then mm. they hurt your teeth when you eat them. So, sidebar. Yeah, so. Okay, so what do you have? So, um, well, this is tech related, so I'm sorry. That's but all right. Not sorry. That's um, all right. Well, one of the things I thought about we could talk about was Prime Early Access, but by the time this is published, it won't matter. But that being said, this happened before Prime Early Access. Um, Amazon was having a really big sale on a lot of Alexa devices, so and just a lot of things in tech in general um, a couple weeks ago. So. Um, we have this bigger house and our doorbell didn't work. So I got a ring doorbell, the wireless one, which is normally at least a hundred. I got it for 70 bucks and I put it on our front door and it like measures our whole driveway. And what I really like is if I have a fire cube in my office, like I can just say, Hey, what's your name? Like show me the front door and it will just like show me the road and our entire driveway, um, at once, which I kind of like, and you can talk through it through the TV. So I bought, and then I had, um, fire cubes. 
on sale for 50 bucks, which is a great deal. So I got a couple more of those. So I've basically turned my house into like this surveillance system for like less than $250 overall, which is just kind of fun for me. I like that stuff. And then I also, um, I got a new Alexa show. I think it's the 10, not the one that you can mount on the wall, the one with the big speaker base um, that rotates with you and it moves you across the room. So I put that in our kitchen so I can like watch shows or whatever while I'm cooking or talk to talk to someone. And then um, I can also, from my office, I can screen down, um, I can ask to see the camera on my office TV and I can see like what the kids are doing down in the kitchen. Okay, so real quick, the, first of all, that's, I don't know if that's amazing or creepy or I'm not sure, but it sounds very <laughs> cool. But first of all, just for someone who's listening, so the Fire Cube is basically like an Apple TV, but it's Amazon's version and it has a built-in speaker. Is that right? Yes, it's like a Fire Stick and an Echo Dot in one. Okay. And a That's Fire Stick is, is like a Chromecast or an Apple mm-hmm. TV device where you plug it into a TV and it shows things on that TV. And because it has a microphone and a speaker, you can also talk to it, the, right. the Fire Cube, yeah. and, and and tell it to do things. Right. I used to do an Echo Dot and a Fire Stick, and now with like one device, you can do it all. Because when I first saw these devices come out, I'm like, I couldn't understand the value of what they had to offer. Not until I tried one. I'm like, okay, I actually like this, and I want it for all the TVs that we, that we <laughs> use Fire Sticks on. But and... I did put one on a Roku TV, which it creates a problem because when you first turn it on, it doesn't switch to the HDMI automatically. You have to be like Alexa HDMI one <laughs> and then it will work correctly. And so I haven't found a workaround for that yet. Yeah. Because Roku and Amazon don't get along at all. So that doesn't surprise me that that would be the case. Um, so the, but for people who are, are, are not quite as into the uh, Amazon, we won't say her name, but the Amazon ecosystem, it's it basically you would plug it into a port on your television and then you could access things. It's it's like a Roku or whatever, you know, Netflix, Prime Video, Disney Plus, Hulu, whatever, it, but you would be controlling it. So like that's what we do, but we have an Apple TV on each of our TVs. We don't have cable. We just, you know, we have YouTube TV if we want to watch something that's on TV, but it's on the Apple TV. Like that's the only input to any mm-hmm. of our televisions except for the yeah. switch. So, yeah, we've becoming more and more so in um, Alexa, Alexa ecosystem with like we I bought the nests for both the upstairs and downstairs to control um, the temperature. And we've got the ring and we've got like six or seven devices around now. So there's a couple lights I'm using. So more and more. So um, the only thing I wish now is that. I could have different wake words besides just the two uh, because even with them spaced apart, it's, they're so sensitive. Like it all, I'll trigger more than one of them at once. So. Yeah. And they, and I know that because we have, and we should definitely, I actually made a note for us to add as a, just a general topic to talk about some of the smart home stuff. So we'll definitely add that for a future episode of this very exciting podcast, but I would but we, since we have all three of them, I, I've noticed that, Sometimes on the Google devices, you go to set a timer in the one in the other room will do it. Or if you try to tell mm-hmm. Siri to do something, some another device that you were not expecting will respond. And I think that they that they each of those companies thinks that they're being helpful by doing that. But it's like if I'm in the kitchen, I want the device in the kitchen to do the thing that I'm asking right. to have done. If I'm in the front room, then that's probably the device. But anyway, I don't know. But my workaround for that is I, if I'm timing something in the kitchen, I just use my watch and say, hey, Siri, and timer. And then wherever I go in the house while it's cooking, I'm going to be alerted. I'm not going to miss it. So, yeah, your- so 
smart home life hack. So, all right. Well, I anything else that you can, I, we'll definitely need to add smart home gadgets to a future. Yes, that future would be, episode, a, so. or like smart home tips and tricks. That'd be fun. Yes. And I, I was a Google Home user at first before I adopted Alexa. So I have some familiarity with the Google Home platform, which yes. I'm sure has improved by now. Yes. So that'd be fun. And Amazon did just release a whole bunch of new devices. So I will put a link in the, I didn't, I have not written about it because just didn't, it happened, I think, while I was out of the country. But I will put a link to um, a pretty good roundup from The Verge that kind of talked about all the different devices so that if someone's listening, they can read more about all those fun things. So, well, thank you for listening for the first time in like almost a year. I, I know I looked back and I saw that it was like mm, sometime last year when I think it was February. Oh, no, it was in February where we're like, hey, we're going to be, <laughs> we'll be back starting March 2nd. It just took us a little longer than we thought it would, but it's we're very, fine. we're fine. very glad to be back and we're very glad to build anticipation. <laughs> Absolutely. A lot of anticipation. There's going to be so much anticipation. People are not going to be prepared for it. But next is a reminder next week. The this this same podcast that you heard today will just have a different name. It will it will be called undigital one word the two words. I don't know. It'll say undigital. It'll be in that you don't need to resubscribe if you don't love it. I, obviously, you could unsubscribe. We hope that you won't do that, but we hope that you'll enjoy it. Tell your friends. If you, um, I would be interested if people would let us know, like, when do you decide how to upgrade and what to do? Just send us a message on Twitter. Those are both of our Twitter handles will be in the show notes, and we will talk to you next week. Or if you know oh. where to find, or if you know where to find the very best candy that you can oh, only yeah. find in Europe within the U.S. Oh, yes, that's true. If if you know where to find Kit Kats that are, taste like salted caramel popcorn in this country without that doesn't involve smuggling or anything like that, then please let us know. But otherwise, we will talk to you next week.